You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. Oh, And we are back with another episode of From the Rafters. Sam and I are here recording on a Friday, and we have guest Adam Taylor back on the show. How are you doing today, Adam? What's good, guys? I'm doing good. I've got no internet, so I'm calling off my phone. <laughs> uh, kind of pissed about that, to be quite honest with you. Other than that, I'm living the life, man. I'm living. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're just, we've been chilling. It's been a little bit rough with no Celtics basketball. I mean, You'd think we'd be used to that after a whole quarantine without it, but after you have it back and have it taken again, it's 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 not a fun feeling. You know, I, think, I think you know that too. So it's been a little wild to have no Celtics for a week, especially because the rest of the league is has been playing. Um, what do you think about that? Do you like the whole the league's playing through it? Do you are you one of the people that thinks they should take a two week break? What, what are your whole thoughts on that situation, Adam? First of all, my first thought is I've boycotted an entire week's worth of NBA in protest. <laughs> um, I'm not even lying. Like, every time I go to watch a game, I'm like, no, this isn't fair. Why do they get to play? I'm not watching this. Uh, so I've got a lot of basketball to catch up on. In terms of, like, the two-week the two week break, I understand it. Like, personally, I'm a big advocate of put, moving to a bubble for the playoffs. But obviously, you can't do that for the regular season just because of how long you'd be asking guys to be there, the money it'd cost the league to put them up in Disney World or wherever it's going to be again. So a two-week break makes sense to me. But then you're still relying on all the players kind of like to follow protocols, right? Because if you put a two-week break in place and guys are just at the strip club or <laughs> out, with, out with girls, what's, what's the point? It's not going to fix anything. So I think the league have kind of got that same mentality as well which is why I think they're kind of just like cancelling games where they have to, well, postponing, sorry, and then figuring out where they're going to fit them back in down the line. Because at the moment, if everybody's following George Hill and James Harden in this, you know, we're men, we're not going to listen to your rules, then a two-week break's not going to solve anything. Is that what George Hill did? I didn't see anything about George Hill. George Hill was complaining about... Um, he was talking about how like they're not supposed to shake hands after the game, oh, things see. like that. And he was really like upset. He's like, he basically said what Adam said, like, you're a grown, I'm a grown man. Like you don't tell me what to do. Like that yeah. kind of thing. I just Googled it. That's whack. I don't yeah, know. It's like, if I want to see my family, I'm going to see my family. And yeah. I get it. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. but the thing is like, dude, everybody's going through that. You're not just being like, I get it. You want to shake, you, you want to daft the guys up and stuff, but, you think you're the only one being told to stay indoors? Like, shit, we've been doing that for months. Yeah, and then you have what Ben Simmons did. That was completely out of pocket. That was just ridiculous. What did Ben Simmons do? He was Instead like the guy playing devil's advocate for the listeners. Just kidding, I have no idea. <laughs> he was in uh, New York, I believe. Adam, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But then he, the Seth Curry thing happened. Seth Curry got corona, so they had the quarantine. And there's no, like, NBA-approved restaurants in New York or something. And so he said, fuck that, hired a driver, went back to Philly, went to a restaurant there, and then team security had to get him and bring him back to New York. Basically, I believe is what happened. See, man, this sounds like rich people problems. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, just, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, oh, oh, yeah. There's no restaurants here that are approved. So what I'm going to do is do, like, a God knows how many mile round trip. And then y'all can just come and pick me up when I'm done. And I'm probably going to, like, who does that? I'm not going to go. I don't even have that audacity to be like, yo, if I can't eat here, then I'm just going to move city for a day. Like, that's ridiculous, man. That's just Dude, Imagine, like, not being that hungry to where you can wait however long it takes to get to Philly <laughs> from New York to eat and then eating. Like, when I want to eat, like, I just eat. Like, dude, just make yourself a sandwich or something. Go to the store. I Get, like, cold cuts. It's Ben Simmons, man. He's... Get some, uh, some brisket. <laughs> this, this man will drive, like, I don't know how long it is from New York to Philly. Probably, like, three hours. Three hours to get something to eat. He won't learn how to shoot threes. No, I'm saying. Oh man, it's it's a whole dilemma. It's just the NBA is in a tough place, I suppose, with players that just decide to do what they want. You have James Harden going to strip clubs, George Hill wanting to do what he wants, which I kind of understand. But then Ben Simmons driving to Philly, it's it's a whole mess. But then you have Jason Tatum and Robert Williams who got COVID. It happens, and they've been out for a while. Robert Williams still has a little bit left to go. So does Jason Tatum. I believe Tristan and Grant will be back for the game tonight. Uh, what are we thinking is going to go on? Is Jalen Brown available to play? Did I miss that? Or is he going to be out as well? Last I saw, he was questionable. Adam probably knows more than I do. But, I mean, I, all the guys are questionable except for the COVID guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, and then the thing is, like, the, the common consensus at the moment is if you're questionable through health and safety protocols – um, you're most likely not going to play. Right. So, so you know, there's a chance that he could play, but uh, I, I just don't see. It. This is going to be a Jalen Brown show. We're going to the Celtics are going to rely on Jalen Brown to have a Michael Jordan um, performance. Alrighty. So th- that was my next question. What's the offense going to look like with no Jason Tatum? Is it just going to all be Jalen Brown? Like, ha- what's going to happen tonight? It'll probably be a lot of Jalen and. You know, of course, Marcus will get his shots, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Pritchard. We'll get to see him uh, step into a little bit bigger of a role since he's been playing so well. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Only time will tell. I feel like that Man, I'm, I, I love Peyton Pritchard. I'm not even going to lie. Oh, How can you not? Oh, man. What's your nickname of choice, Adam? What's your What's your favorite? Yeah, one? Adam. What, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I like... I like um, I like P Rabbit to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a big choice. I, I've always been a fast PP guy. It's just too funny not to love. I, I, don't know. I liked Eight Mile, but then somebody was like, "Can you really give someone a nickname after, like based on a movie?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, you you, you can't, can you? No, like it's bullshit." <laughs> so like P Rabbit to me, like I grew up. I remember going to the uh, the cinema when Eight Mile dropped, and like uh, I went on opening night, and people were sitting on um. You know, like the steps in between the aisles. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that the movie was that big and that That's anticipated, wild. and I remember that. So, like, P Rabbit to me just makes a bunch of sense. That's wild. Oh man, so I've seen a bunch of weird ones too. Like, I can't even remember. Like, obviously, Eight Mile P Rabbit. You know, they, they were bringing up some weird options on NBC Sports Boston though when I was watching the post game show. It was a little yeah, because they're trying so hard to push us away from saying fast PP. That's what it is. <laughs> That's got to be it. They don't want to say it on air anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, nicknames aside, like you said, Adam Peyton Pritchard's been 
exactly what the Celtics needed coming into the season. I think a lot of people expected, you know, Neesmith to be the one uh, to make the biggest impact short term. But um, in, in terms of just pure play on the court, what have you liked the most about Pritchard this season? Honestly, it's been his – for me, it's been the poise, right? Like, mm-hmm. you see him facilitating for guys, um, his hand – I, I always expected him to be good in transition. That seemed to be where he was going to be the most beneficial due to the speed. His lack of size didn't really tell me he was going to be good in the paint. So I was like, right, he's going to be the guy that he's going to push the pace in transition, maybe find some open guys on the cut, maybe hit the trail, man. He's just going to be a really smart transition player. He's coming and he's penetrating. He's finishing around the room in the traffic. He's drawing like bigs off there, off the like the helpline and make and then making the right read. He's just like 10 times better than what he, what you expected him to be right in like all around offense, obviously due to his size, his defense is always going to be an issue, but. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even think he's been too bad defensively, which is. No, he, he plays hard. That's the best thing for me is, I mean, he's like a little Marcus running around out there and he's probably Ah, he's just as good, if not better than Marcus on offense. You know, he makes excellent decisions with the ball, like Adam said, and his, he's been, he made a big shot in the Washington game, obviously he had the game winner against Miami, but he made a big three uh, to kind of break things back open for the Celtics when Washington was coming back in the fourth there. So he's been just super impressive in terms of making the big play. No, yeah, he's just not afraid of anything. He just came in, he knows what he has to do, and he's ready to work. And it's been exactly, like I said, what the Celtics need this season, uh, especially with Kemba out. And speaking of Kemba, he's projected to come back sometime soon. What do we think about the point guard rotation once he comes back? Is it going to be a lot of Pritchard, a lot of Teague? Are they going to balance the two? Fuck Jeff uh, Teague. <laughs> really? Really? Is that what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> uh, why do you say that, Adam? Honestly, like when they picked up Jeff Teague, I went, um, I don't know if you saw it, but I kind of went like really deep on what he does well, what he does bad. Yeah. And what he does well kind of bleeds into what he does bad. Like there's a lot of (laughs) habits there that I don't think really fit with the way the Celtics like to run their offense. Like, um, and I tweet about this all the time when Jeff Teague's in. He's a pick and roll heavy, like his offense is very pick and roll predicated, but he never rewards the big man for rolling to the rim. He'll never look for that pass to find the big man for the easy dunk or the easy lob. He'll always ignore the big, attack the rim, and then either try and finish with this scoop jelly layup that's just trash. Or he'll kick it back out and reset the whole offense. Well, if you're running a pick and roll, the whole point is it's a defined offense where there's two focal points, the ball handler and the roll man. And if the roll man doesn't roll any pups, either way, he gives you an offensive out there and he should start to create some form of offense from his movement. If the defense knows that, you know, Jeff Teague's never passing that ball to the big. And if he does, it's going to be at the worst possible moment. Well, that takes away a lot of the efficiency of a pick and roll, right? Because now it's just, a, a ball handler getting downhill coming off a high screen where you know that all you need to do is hedge him to his weaker hand and he's going to go for this trash layup. So um, when Pay- yeah, he's going to be shooting like 25% on layups this year, by the, the way. And they're all, they're all these scoop layups. Floaters. Yep. And they hit the back of the rim every time. So when Peyton Pritchard come in and was like, right, watch me attack baseline, watch me attack the angles and watch what I do where I reward the role man when he's in the dunk spot or I reward the role man when he's trailing me and I consistently find the right pass to the right guy after I've drew the defense. 
I'm like, man, Jeff Teague was a waste, man. Like, you, you could have gone and got yourself a nice little four. I understand that nobody expected Pritchard to be that level of facilitator that quickly. And I also understand it's a very small sample size and things can still go pear-shaped quite quickly as well. But at the moment, I'm like, yo, Teague is behind Pritchard in this rotation and rightly so. So I if, agree. if that continues to be the case, if Pritchard continues to sustain that level of play, then you might as well look for an avenue to get off of that Teague contract and maybe package him with a Shemi Ojale. I know he's been playing well or whoever you need to. So you can get someone like PJ Tucker back in return that actually fills the position of need. No, yeah. Every time Teague has the ball in his hand, he kind of just either chucks up a shot or turns the ball over. So, I mean, I guess what you're, I get what you're saying. I haven't obviously looked into it as uh, in depth as much as you have, but it's pretty obvious uh, during the game that, Peyton Pritchard has more of a flow with what the Celtics do, which is weird because Teague is such a, a crafty veteran, I guess you could say. And after the preseason and the first game of the season, everyone was loving Jeff Teague, including me. Uh, but it, since then, it's just been the Peyton Pritchard show, which has been unfortunate for Teague. And speaking of the Peyton Pritchard show, it kind of opens up avenues to trade, you know, Carson Edwards, even though we saw him have a little bit of a uh, a flash of promise or whatever you want to call it earlier this season. And then, he got rewarded with a couple minutes. I feel like Peyton Pritchard has just solidified himself as that backup point guard behind Kemba and maybe even past that, you know, an avenue to go forward past Kemba. So what are you thinking in terms of Tremont Waters and Carson Edwards moving forward because of this, you know, Pritchard hype? So Tremont, for me, he's a two-way guy. So he is what he is, right? He's always mm-hmm. going to be your, it's garbage time or our rotations are fucked. So we need Tremont in, right? So I'm cool with that. He is what he is. He doesn't cost a lot of money. Technically, he's not taking a roster spot either. So there's so much value in what he brings. And the negatives don't really affect you too much because he's just a two-way guy. I don't mean that to sound disrespectful. Like, oh, he's just a two-way. You know, he's still a ridiculously good basketball player. But he's not taking up one of those roster spots. So I'm okay with him. Um, Carson Edwards is a different story. My theory on that is he's getting minutes now simply to try and build some trade value. That would be my opinion. Like you, you put him in in situations where you know he can be moderately effective, finish games with a couple of points on the board. If he gets an assist or two, a steal or two, then great. And all you're trying to do is show teams like, look, he could be a viable option for you. We just don't have the minutes for him to to grow with us. And if that's what they're doing, then they're doing it quite smart. And then if they look to package Edwards and get him out of here, I think that's probably what's best for everybody involved because he's definitely one of these guys that needs a high usage to be effective, needs a high amount of shot attempts to be effective. And you're never going to get that in Boston when you're the 14th option. No, yeah, and something I brought up, like you, you mentioned P.J. Tucker. I feel like the Rockets, you know, Chris Clemens hurt for the season. They have John Wall as a starting point guard. Past that, they don't really have another point guard on the roster. We trade, I don't know, Carson Edwards and something else, like a second-round pick to Houston for P.J. Tucker. Boom, boom, helps both teams. I, I don't know how interested Houston would be in that. I don't know how the money would work. I, I feel like P.J. Tucker makes a little more money than that, but – I really like the thought of PJ Tucker on this team. Is he one of your your top trade targets for the season, Adam? Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like I'm writing a piece on this at the moment, and I'm mm-hmm. going backwards and forwards with my own narrative, which always makes it a lot more difficult. <laughs> like I'm very much like this year for me personally is not a championship year. Mm-hmm. Um, made even more obvious by the fact that James Harden now resides in Brooklyn. 
Like, yeah. So for me, this year and next year should be all about internal development. Let your guys get um, to a point where they are very effective role players on championship level teams and then make the trade that kind of, you know, to bring in the PJ Tuckers of the world that are veterans that are battle tested and you know that they're going to provide you solid output during the playoffs. If you go for PJ Tucker now, that's great. I understand the reasoning. He fills that that hole at the four. He, he fits everything the Celtics need from a schematic point of view. But he's not putting you over the top to a title. You're going to have to have like this Cinderella cha- um, playoff run all the way through. You, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have to mm-hmm. get through to Philly. You're going to uh, Philly or Milwaukee. And if you get through them, it's going to be Brooklyn waiting for you. And then you've got to get through Brooklyn. And if you get through Brooklyn, LeBron and AD are waiting for you. And I just feel like that's still not because of Tatum and Brown, who are definitely ready for that. I feel like Kemba Walker got exposed for his lack of playoff experience, uh, which is crazy considering how long he's been in the league. But I feel like he got exposed in the bubble. I don't know if that was enough playoff experience for him to be like, all right, I know what to expect. Now I'm going to up my game and I'm... If if Kemba Walker steps up, then yeah, definitely it could be a championship year. And if you feel like he's going to do that, you make that move for PJ Tucker. But if you're realistic with yourself and you're like, you know, Kemba's knees are probably fucked. Um, we don't know what type of Kemba he's going to be now. We don't know if he's going to shy from contact. What do you do? You then make that move, or do you wait to see if you can flip him for another young piece that maybe fits in with what you're trying to do? Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, like you said, Harden on the Nets is kind of terrifying. And I, I always say that the Celtics are they're not win now yet, like Tatum Brown, still both under twenty five years old. There's plenty of time. They're both in Boston long term. Internal development is huge, especially when you consider how young the bench is past just those two guys. So it's not championship or bust yet for this team. Meanwhile, over in Brooklyn, I feel like it is championship or bust for them at this point. They traded away a lot of their depth for James Harden and basically mortgage their entire future for this. So if they don't win now, then they're, they're in a tough spot again, like they were after the KG trade. So I feel like the Celtics realistically match up with the Nets decently well in terms of defenders, you know, smart on Kyrie Jays on the other two. Um, I'm not saying that that's enough to stop them because obviously all three of those guys are hall of fame talents, but realistically do you think the nets are now title favorites let's talk about this for a sec because defensively that team doesn't look good you're relying a lot on kd but offensively it's got to be one of the best teams ever it depends what narrative you buy into right like if you buy into the narrative that stars win titles in the nba then they have to be the championship (laughs) favorites yeah um if you buy into the narrative of stars plus depth wins Mm -hmm. titles then what do you value more do you value free mvp level talents with a really weak supporting cast or two MVP level talents with a really deep supporting cast. For me, I'm technic I'm gonna choose the latter. I would much prefer the Lakers roster right now than what I would Brooklyn's. So- I agree. Yeah. I, I think they definitely like I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to say they got worse, but I feel like they're not like they're just not as deep like you say. And it, that team was really, really good before the trade. I don't know if they really needed to make that deal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they were that, struggling, though. They were struggling. Like, that's I because Kyrie's that. a psychopath. <laughs> well, does that... But, you know, KD is just as nuts. I don't know, but at least he's showing up to play. I mean, the way I'm looking at this is... 
they might not be deep enough now, but if they make some smart acquisitions during the offseason, regardless of whether they win or lose this year, if they make some good pickups in the summer, then they're going to be unstoppable next year. If they can figure out how to get the depth that like the Lakers have and then build around those three, then you don't go into next season as a fan of any other team thinking it's a championship year, unless you're an idiot. Yeah, I mean, realistically, they have three roster spots open and one, I don't know if it's TP, but it's an exception because of Dinwiddie to fill it. And there's some decent, you know, veteran free agents out there. I'm not saying that they'll fill the void completely of Kerry Silver and Jared Allen, because obviously no free agents going to fill that void. But, you know, you got, I don't even remember, we were talking about a bunch the other day, Sam. You got the likes of- Jefferson makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bring him back to Brooklyn. I know Jordan McRae is a free agent still. He's not a bad shooter. You got a bunch of veterans like Gerald Green out there. You just like guys that can come in and at least help you. Like they found life in Jeff Green again. I feel like he just kind of travels from place to place now, playing good basketball under the radar. Um, then they still have Dinwiddie when he comes back, if he comes back anytime soon. He's not supposed to come back this year, but next year. Well, yeah. actually, he's a free agent, so you never know. But Joe Harris is a good pickup or good signing for them. They still have DeAndre Jordan. Uh, which is weird. I saw an Instagram graphic projecting Jeff Green as their starting center, which kind of confused me. Yeah, ESPN had that up. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't love that. ESPN. World class from them. <laughs> it makes no sense. To oh, me, ESPN's but, the worst. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if they can figure it out defensively, because I know that's been killing them as of late. Uh, I feel like it's just silly not to, you know, count them in as favorites. Um, if, if they can pass the ball, because James Harden has been in Houston, you know, doing whatever he wants for the past eight years. Now he has two teammates again that he has to pass to. Um, he can't just bully them like he bullied Chris Paul, uh, uh, <laughs> if you want to call it that. But, but, but yeah, he I mean, told Chris Paul told Harden he had man titties. What are you talking about, Jack? <laughs> the thing uh, is, like, Harden can say to as much as he wants. You know, you need to put the ball in my hands, and KD will just look at him like, "Bitch, please." Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like this is the first time in Harden's career since leaving the Thunder and becoming who James Harden is now that he's playing with a guy that is like unequivocally better than he is. Mm-hmm. So which is wild, yeah. Which is nuts. So James Harden's going into this situation where it's not his team anymore. This is KD's team. So now you fall in line just like everyone had to fall in line behind you, and then you have Kyrie. That's like, bitch, this is my team, and you know. Oh. I just think that this is... I love Kyrie. This is like that Miami Heat team. It's just like... it's it's Kyrie is Chris Bosh. And then he's like, he's a good player. Like He's a great player. But no, no. Kyrie is definitely better than Chris Bosh. But um, realistically... Is, is James Harden actually fat? Or, <laughs> like, no, seriously. Like That's a good he, question. We've seen the two different... Now, he had the one earlier where he looked fat in the picture. And then there was the video where he looked fat. But I feel like once he takes off the warm-ups, he looks normal. So it's that, it might be that muscle fat, you know, like the strong men lift and they just look fat, but really they're just strong. Mm-hmm. Maybe. maybe. Maybe it's like like fat muscle. He's got a really strong dad bod is what it is, which I mean, fine. Hey, it works. I mean, I'm rocking one of them right now. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I feel you, Adam. Sam can go on his runs all he wants. Fuck that. I'll, I'll rock my dad bod. Oh, I'm, still yeah, I'm still doing stuff, shape. but like, dude, I I'm do sitting nothing. down for like... <laughs> I'm like doing like I do eight hours at the desk job for the for the day job, and then I put about seven to eight hours into the bath. Like I'm doing like sixteen hours on my ass, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus Christ! 
Oh, man. But realistically, I wanted to ask this. When's the last time we saw a trio with the pure talent of this? Because obviously you had the Warriors, right? And you had Clay. But I feel like in, in terms of individual player, Kyrie as a third option is better than Clay as a third option. Um, maybe not in terms of like team fit, you know what I'm saying? But in terms of like individual player, when's the last time we saw a trio this talented? We haven't. Okay, yeah, that's what I was saying. I feel like this is the first time we've ever seen a trio of this caliber. This is the most talented trio in terms of individual talent, but it's also like the most mismatched trio in the entire yeah. universe. Like, <laughs> you've just gone, right, we're going to get the three of the best isolation scorers. Only one of them can really play off ball. We're going to put them together. We're going to give them some shooters in like Joe Harris and uh, Landry Shamet's there. So, you know, we'll give them Landry Shamet. And now we're just going to say, guys, ISO up and just, you know, don't get mad. And that's not, that's not going to work, dude. Uh, poor Steve Nash, man. He, he's got, he got thrown into the deep end of this. I bet he's year. thinking, I bet he's wishing he was their point guard. Because if he was the point guard on that team, on like a vet min, then that team would be ridiculous. Even now, I think he's, he's probably, in good shape. Yeah, yeah dude, he'll, <laughs> he'll crush you up, man. I remember speaking with um, I speak to a guy called Asmir Begovic. He's a uh, a goalkeeper for um for Milan uh, mm-hmm. in Italy, uh, AC Milan, and uh, he one of his best friends is Steve Nash. And he's like, yeah, I know Steve. Nash. He was doing um Champions League half times for TNT here. Yeah, so Nash yeah, he's got, like, super uh, into soccer. And um, Begovic was telling me a few weeks back, probably a few months back now, to be fair, um, saying that uh, Steve Nash l- has not lost a step on the basketball court. Like, he was like, I still play with him sometimes. You know, Steve Nash still will still cross over most guys. I'm just like, dude, put him in. Give D'Anto- Like, this is where you feel like maybe Mike D'Antoni should have just been the head coach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of weird to be honest. That's so odd that he goes and takes an assistant job. That's not really something you do when you're a successful head coach for years and years. What's worse it's... is D'Antoni took the job to get away from Harden. Yeah, and then ends up back in the same situation with Harden. I bet he's thinking, "What the fuck, man? I've just tried to get away from this dude." <laughs> oh man, whatever that confrontation is going to go. That's one of the more underrated storylines of this whole Harden trade. That's the thing. There's just so many storylines. It's no, brilliant. Yeah. No. Can't wait till he makes his debut. Like, I, I'm excited to see how it's going to go for them. It's good for the league, though, right? Like the ratings are going to be through the roof now because it's just box office drama. That that's the best thing about the league, to be honest. It's it's probably got the best storylines in all of sports. It's almost like professional wrestling. I was just about <laughs> to say that. It's like yeah, you got your little factions, right? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And your rap battles. You got Marvin Bagley throwing shade at fucking um Darren Fox. Or yeah, the team, the Aaron the Fox. Team. Going going at Dame Lillard as well. Don't remember when he done them distracts oh, with yeah. Dame Lillard. That was funny as fuck, oh, dude. Man. It's so wild. And now a quick word from our sponsor. All right, but yeah, I mean, past Harden and the Nets, obviously they're gonna be a top a top dog in the East, regardless. Um, who do you see as the biggest threats to the Celtics? Is it the Sixers who have been on a roll, even though you know COVID has kind of ravaged them too? Uh, is it the Bucks who are just who are good this season too, as always? Uh, are the Sixers ever really a threat, Jack? I, I mean, they're good this year. Come on, they are a good team this year. Yeah, they're good every year. They were good. Uh, what is it? Three years ago now, when they lost in five games to a skeleton. skeleton crew. That's why I'm asking. I'm asking who the biggest threat is in the East, aside from the Nets, obviously. Probably Milwaukee. What, what are you thinking, Adam? I think I'm going to have to go with Milwaukee too. Like, 
I get it that Brooklyn should be the number one threat to Boston now, but I just don't see how... I, look, I need to see it in action before I start proclaiming them as champions-elect. I need to see how this works. So until I've seen how they actually play together and how they fit, then Giannis still reigns supreme in the East for me. Yeah, I, I mean, that makes sense, even though... I do have a problem with the way Budenholzer runs his rotations. I just feel like like what we saw against the Heat last year was just a huge problem that no one really talked about, right? You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. I just... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. He just he's like he didn't play his players that much. Like he he didn't play Giannis enough, right? He's playing Marvin Williams in a playoff game. I feel like you got to shorten your rotation at that point. You can't run regular season minutes in a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, I've just said he's a regular... I've always said, so I haven't just said. I've always said he's a regular season coach. Um, put him in the playoffs, then all of a sudden he's trash. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and you, like like you're saying, he said he did that with the Hawks too. So it's not like it's a one-time thing. But um, I don't know. Philly just looked really good this year. You know, got a new coach. And I feel like that's huge for them, the way Doc Rivers is doing, thing, uh, doing things. They got Danny Green and Seth Curry. They got some shooting around the guys. Embiid looks great. Simmons looks fine, I guess. Tobias Harris is finally playing up to the contract, at least somewhat. Um, I think they're going to be better this year, at least than they were last year. So they're going to pose a little Who, bit who was – oh, I saw a quote. I don't remember who shared it, but it was it was a quote from an anonymous Eastern Conference GM. Very could have well been Danny Ainge. I don't know, though. I, don't, I feel like Danny Ainge doesn't really talk shit about other players. But the GM had said – the thing about Simmons is he hasn't really done anything to improve his game since his rookie year. Like he's literally the same guy that won rookie of the year a couple of years ago. Do you guys agree with that? Do you think he's really improved at all? I mean, I, I tend to agree. And the three point shooting is like a big hangup for me just because it's so important in today's game. Sure. He's a solid all-star player right now, but if he learned to shoot a three and did it in a game, it would make him that much more difficult to guard. Do we ever of you two guys subscribe to Tom Zilla's good morning. It's basketball. I, I do not. I don't. I, I've seen it, though. I, okay, so I really enjoy that. That's why I subscribe. Obviously, I wouldn't pay if it was trash. Um, and he wrote a piece yesterday about this saying, like, it was a bold move on Houston's part to take a deal with Oladipo and a load of firsts over a deal centered around Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons is obviously the better building block. Right. Um, obviously, part of that's probably because they didn't want to send Harden back to Darren Morey after Darren Morey's left. Maybe there's some animosity there. The other part of it is Ben Simmons, the, the way Tom Zilla put it was really good. Ben Simmons is one of the most jagged jigsaw pieces you can ever get to try and fit into a, into a jigsaw. And by that, what he means is he's an amazing defender, one of the best guys when he gets downhill. You know what I mean? One of the best um, ball handlers, one of the best finishers going downhill. But without that shooting as well, it's a very specific type of team you need to try and construct around him. You need you need guys like I mean, if I could say the best big to pair with Ben Simmons is uh, Jokic. Like I feel like if you could find a way to do that, then you're going to be on a dynasty type of trail. But how how likely is it that Denver's going to let Jokic leave at any point? So. Yeah, I, I understand why Houston went down the Oladipo plus picks route. And that should tell you a lot as well about how teams value Ben Simmons as a building block because of how niche the team would have to be around him. You know, do you know how, that must be like almost impossible. Every player would have to fit perfectly for it to work. 
that shooting needs to come along, otherwise he's just going to be one of the best players that could have been. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. I, I've I always agree. seen it as you just surround him with shooting, but I guess I never thought of how difficult that would actually be to like rebuild your entire team around it. Sometimes um, I feel like it's a bad casual take of mine just to say he can't shoot and it makes it more difficult, but like that is like good like backup to what I feel. Like I feel like shooting is more important than a lot of things in this game today. And him not being able to even work on that, like he he doesn't seem to even like have any interest in doing it. It it just makes it so hard for you to rely on that guy. Yeah, this is the problem, right? Like I, I was under the assumption that Dot Rivers was going to be like, hey, we just want you to shoot four threes again. Just shoot them until they start going in. We don't care how ugly they are. We don't care how successful or unsuccessful you are with it, but this is what we need from you, right? And we just haven't really seen that. I mean, let me, I haven't looked at his stats much. Let me pull them up. He's having a very okay season from what I've seen. Obviously, there have been the issues where he's, you know, driving to Philly. And do whatever he wants, which is an hour and a half, man. by the way. It's not that far. It's but, dedication. Uh, dedication. I wonder what he got to eat. I hope it was All good. Right, so technically, he's... He, okay, so he's took 0.3 three-point attempts over the first 11 games. His career average is 0.1. So we've seen an uptick, however minimal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I mean... But like, dude, he needs... This is 2020... We're in 2021 now? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're fucked. So it's you know you need to be able to shoot the free ball. I mean, without it, your the level of play that you get to is very limited. And this dude, if he could shoot the free, he would be the next LeBron James. And everybody said it, and I completely agree. He'd be a top three guy in the league if he was a thirty-seven percent three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Philly would be oh, yeah. championship contenders every year. It's just, he's not even like trying. It seems like, like take like two a game, dude. Like that's all it takes. Like at least make them guard it. At least make them guard it. Even shoot 25% and they'll have to guard it to some degree. Right. Daniel Toys yeah. takes more freeze. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That shouldn't be a thing. Ben Simmons should be ashamed of that stuff. <laughs> that is absolutely wild. That that it is gets bad when Grant Williams goes on like a 0 for 25 three point run, hits one. And the first thing that Swan tweets is Grant Williams now has as many NBA threes as Ben Simmons. <laughs> you know what well, I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. That's not good at all. I mean, he's made one this year, so at least he's done that in the first. Just one. I think it's just one from what the stats I, say. I genuinely believe that at my level of basketball, which is nowhere near NBA level, if I played 228 games in the league with a decent enough usage, I would score a few three-point shots. Yeah, no, 100%. You'd score more three-pointers than Ben Simmons has is, is fucking made in his career, which is wild. It, it's crazy because he's attempted 11 threes his first season and then less and less since then, which is just doesn't make any sense because you've gotten all these people begging you to take them and you've taken less. So it, it's wild. Maybe it is a really bad mental thing. I don't know, man. Like, just take them. Like, he took one last night. I, I was watching. I stopped in the Philly game for a second uh, as I was watching a different game. But um, he took one and it, it was fine. But they just don't guard him. So it's not It's not like they have anything to respect yet because he just doesn't take them. So. Maybe he took loads of threes in Australia and then one day he scored a three-pointer or he won a three-point contest and his girl dumped him. And like in a heartbroken... like. <laughs> He's got PTSD. Yeah, in like a heartbroken oh, turn of events, he's wished upon God to never let him score another three-point shot again. 
And God was like, all right, then cool. That's how you want it to be. Because he looks like a little crybaby bitch. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how it would be going over if he had been drafted by the Celtics. Do you ever think about that? Not, not the, the, pro, to, I'm going to try again, trajectory of the Celtics, right? Or trajectory. Like mm-hmm. how like the media would really have maybe an impact on the way he is. Because, you know, the media here is very tough. It's one of the reasons I think Kyrie left, even though he went to New York, no, yeah. you know, where their media is just as bad. Like Brad Stevens would not allow his point guard to not shoot threes. Well, look, just look at guys that have played under Brad that have been encouraged to shoot. Baines, Amir Johnson was shooting threes when he was with the Celtics. Like, I feel like Brad would have just found a way to motivate him. Everybody shoots threes on the Celtics, except for like Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, I, I Googled his high school stats. He went 15 of 51 in high school from a three. So it's not like he didn't take them in high school, which <laughs> it doesn't make sense because he just went to college and just stopped taking them at all. Um, no, yeah. So I don't know what's wrong with Ben Simmons. Maybe at some point we'll see him start taking them on a regular basis. Um, but right now it's just looking like he'll be this same player forever. But uh, the Celtics, like we said, play the Magic tonight. Um, I'm blanking on who they play after the Magic. They play uh, New York on Sunday. New York. Okay, so they have not not the most difficult couple of games, even though New York... They, they literally could win both games this weekend. Which would be huge. Is Kemba coming back? Obviously not tonight. Is he coming back against New York? Do we know what the time frame is? They, they said they wanted him to have a week of practice. And if I'm not mistaken, the first time they practiced all week was yesterday. So Yeah, sort of what I've heard is you know, you'd be very unlikely to see him in before next Wednesday. And then if you do see him next Wednesday, it'll be on quite a big minute restriction. Hmm. Which is fine. And I think, like we said, the play of Pritchard, the play of Jalen, and the play of Jason have really allowed Kemba to take his time a little bit coming back. Uh, the Celtics are 7-3 and three still, even though it's been a week since they've played, which is wild. Um, so it, it's not like they're down bad or anything, uh, waiting for other people to come back. So it, it's been okay. Who's impressed you most off the bench this year? I want to talk about this too, because um, obviously the, the transformation from the terrible bench that was with the Celtics last year to like what we're seeing this year is huge, even though it's such a small sample size. Um, which bench piece has impressed you the most in terms of improvement and just their play this season, Adam? So by improvement, that takes away Peyton Pritchard. So that's nice yeah. of you to do that for me. Um, <laughs> you know, just to make it more difficult. I think Grant Williams oh, yeah. looked good in his last few games, but he was really bad for a stretch as well, he especially was. against Indiana. Um, so saying it seems disingenuous to some of the other guys. I think Semi Ojale just looks more improved in terms of consistency, right? Like mm-hmm. he's never going to be a world beater, but he's always like if all we've ever asked for him from him, sorry, is be consistent from the corner free and D up on guys. He's gone and added a Euro step. He's putting the ball on the floor more. He's attacking closeouts. He looks way more improved than what in my wildest dreams I probably would have expected him to be. So I'm yeah, that was, that was going to be my answer too. Go on. No, I've said everything I need to say on that. Man. I mean, I, I that was my answer. I, I'll give a, another shout out to Robert Williams because I feel like Robert he, Williams is another one. Yeah, he's yeah. been excellent. He didn't really play last year except for in the bubble, but which he was excellent. Yeah, and but this year he just really showed the hustle. I mean, he's he's better on the glass I think than he was last year. He he just looks more engaged on both ends. Um, the pick and roll with him and Peyton Pritchard has been a thing of absolute beauty to watch this season. Uh, he's just, he's just great. 
I wish he was a little bit taller. <laughs> you know, that's not something he can control though, necessarily. Like, imagine if man needs to put inserts into his shoes. Yeah, imagine if that man was six foot ten. But this is fun. the thing, right? Pritchard rewards the role, man. Yeah, do you see what I mean? <laughs> this is this is why it's so fucking important because you need to be able to reward, especially when it's Swan Bouncy. And I get it. Sometimes when Teague's on the floor playing the pick and roll, his role man's going to be Tristan Thompson that doesn't have that bounce. But he has the positional awareness that makes it really good. Um, they're punishing the Daniel Tice seal, which is probably really hurting uh, Teague's ability to finish around the rim as well because, you know, Daniel Tice, th- those Tice seals were making everybody's ability to finish around the rim better. So there's a lot in it, but... Yeah, Pritchard's been amazing for me, and that partnership he's got with Rob Williams has been great. Mm-hmm. And why are they calling the tie steal this year, Adam? Do you have any idea why they started calling that a they're foul? They're calling it a moving screen, right? So what they're saying is, like, um, he's sealing guys, but then obviously you're jostling to keep that seal, right? So they're trying to work their way around you and your feet are moving. You're not set. So that effectively is a moving screen because it, if you watch, they're constantly pushing into Tyson, and Tice is having to push back because mm-hmm. you're basically boxing out but you're not boxing out a dead ball, so it's classed as a screen, which then can become a moving screen the minute your feet move. That's my interpretation of it. I might be wrong. No, I mean, it's that too makes OP. Sense. It was working too well. They had to, they had to take it out. Yeah, my question is doing well. Let's cancel that. But, like, why why not call it last year and call it this year? Like that's, that's It's just one like, of those things that it's a point of emphasis that they yeah. tell the referees to look for. Honestly, you might see it called less as the season goes on. That's usually how it goes with those kind of things. Yeah, they did it with um, double dribbles last season to start last season. I don't know if you remember that, but they were really calling double dribbles and they started to even call carries. And I was like, dude, everyone in the league carries this will last a month, two months, three months in, you never saw another carry get called. Yeah. I, I hope they get rid of it because that's one of the most effective things Tice does. The the funny thing is though I don't remember them calling it on Tice. It was just I remember the Tristan Thompson uh, yeah. seal was not as it was a it was a Walmart version of the Tice seal. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, I remember a couple on Tice. The war on Tice is still real, by the way. It's kind of bad. Like, yeah, do you have a theory bad. behind that, Adam? Do you do you have a reason why the referees don't like Tice? Because he fouls a lot. <laughs> Is it that simple? Are they all fouls? I mean, obviously, some I wouldn't of them say like all of them, but I think that if you watch it, like I've gone back and rewatched some of the ones I think that are questionable, and yeah, he fouls a lot. He plays very physical, and you know, when you play physical, the refs will start calling it. And I think what's happened is they've got that used to like calling him out on his fouls that now it's just like we keep an eye out for Daniel Tice because he he's gonna foul. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the I think the war on Tice is a little bit overblown. There are times when they'll call things that aren't a foul, but they do that to everybody. But majoritarily, Tice fouls a lot. I guess it's as simple as that. It's kind of like when uh, Boogie got the technical call the other night. I saw that. That was kind of ridiculous. But I, I, it's Boogie Cousins, so you got to te- tee him up. That's just yeah, how it works. Like, Boogie, oh, Boogie hasn't had a tee this year. Okay, we'll give him this one. Out. <laughs> Uh, it's pissed. you can tell he's trying to like stay more calm too and it's 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 tough when he just gets the call but uh it's funny speaking of, fa- speaking of fouls see him doing deep breathing out there <laughs> just can't hold it in anymore speaking of fouls i wanted to get your thoughts adam i know sam complains about this a lot um All right, we see we, we see more and more people you know complaining about foul calls like luca does it a ton lebron does it a lot um and we're seeing jason LeBron invented that to- yeah, we're seeing Jason Tatum do it a lot more. Do you think that's an issue that the Celtics need to nip in the bud, or do you think it's just normal? 
I think you could just kind of come to expect it after a while, right? Like, I think it's normal, but I, I just I wish they would like kind of tell him to cut it out, you know? Yeah, and I get that. I just think that it's kind of pandering as well. Like if you, if you raise it, then you kind of like, hey, this is a problem. And then if Jason Tatum's like, well, no, I'm going to keep doing it because it works, all right? If he thinks it works for him, then no matter how much you ask him to stop, he'll keep doing it. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's kind of hard to ask him to do that when he's your guy. Now they kind of they're they're probably not going to tell him to do very much. No, they're, they're asking forward. him very nicely to do things. There's no yeah anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, think and, he's grown into more of a leader, though, mm-hmm, which is good, which is a very good thing. And that's what the both of them need. have. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave that statement. What was it last week with the thing at the Capitol? They they both talked <laughs> after the game. Um, Aren't you happy you're not American, Adam? Not that I really care about any no. of the stuff that's going on, but it, Dude, it's I really like, fucking like ten hours a day to become American. No. Adam wants to be American. <laughs> Shit, man! If any yeah. of you guys know of anyone that wants to hire me to come out there with my family and get some green cards, then uh, let me know because I'm dying. I, I wonder. I wonder if there's anybody few. that wants to trade. You know, like <laughs> I, I'm sure there are people that have had enough. I've had a few. I've applied for a few recently and not got got anywhere because of the the work visa thing. So uh, I'll be happy to do the trade. Man, that whole change identities with someone. No, I think that I genuinely believe there should be like a nationality trade center where you can just be like, "Hey, he wants to be English, I want to be American. We're gonna swap." <laughs> you know put what pat- I mean? Put a patent on that. Get that. Get that rolling. <laughs> I don't know if it's yeah, possible. yeah. I'll get. I'll get the international approval tomorrow. We'll get him <laughs> on locker room and we'll debate this shit. Oh yeah, that's definitely how it'll work. But. Um... But yeah, you guys brought up the uh, the leadership of Jason Tatum uh, and overall just the play of Jalen Brown this year. I wanted to ask: is he is he a bona fide All Star, or is it going to be is going to be tougher than that? No, I think it's going to be tougher than that. But I still like before the season started, I said to everybody that had listened, he's my most improved uh, player candidate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, I'm going to double down on that. And if he's not an All Star playing at the level he's shown over the first. 10 how many games have they played nine ten? Ten. ten ten so if he keeps that level up until the all-star break he has to be an all-star if he's not it's a travesty because he's played better than tatum for the majority of the season yep which is wild but there are a lot of you know players in the east this year who you could argue deserve it but in terms of you know winning basketball like scoring points leading the team it's got to be Jalen brown at this point the only other person i was looking at because i looked at it uh, from the perspective of with Will Gordon Hayward being all star uh, for at the hive, and I was looking at some of the guards, and I, I think it's going to come down to Jalen Brown. Plus, you got Harden now too. Yeah, no, the, I included that, and I, I forget exactly. That's something I didn't think about. I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit! Yeah, that's good. I don't know. That, it's that, tough, man. That takes. I, I feel like he definitely off. deserves it, but oh, that's going to fall off my table. Um, uh, in terms of guards, I remember looking at it, and it's the locks are basically Trey Young, Kyrie Irving. James Harden, right? Those are the three that are. Is Trey Young really a lock, though? I mean, yeah, he probably 100%. is because the fan voting. One hundred percent, he's going to be an All Star. I haven't heard a whole lot about Trey Young that this year. That's why. I and ask. then, then past that, you have two, I believe. No, one more guaranteed guard spot, and then two that can be either guard or front court. And then the guards you have left are Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Colin Sexton, Ben Simmons. So if only at max three of those guys can get in and at minimum one of them has to get in what do you think and i'm thinking brown and brogdon are the top candidates with 
Bradley Beal on the outside looking in at this point because the Wizards suck. Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah, I, I think that should be a big factor. The thing with the All-Star games is like it's partly uh, popularity as well. Yeah, also that's true. very true. And Jalen yeah, Brown's another yeah. the radar guy. Yeah, like Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon to me is a huge, like such a good guy, such a good player. Like his averages are always bordering on elite. Um, but he's an under the radar guy. I remember, and I always go back to this when I get onto the subject of all star voting. I remember when Kobe um, had his torn ACL, right? And yeah. he, he was still like third in all star votes and he hadn't played. I used to hate that, by the way. And it's like, I've, gro- I've grown up a little bit, but I used to hate that. What that people have vote for injured players for all star, that and just like like even like at the end of not maybe not the last season because like I guess like you know he had a storied career but like there there are definitely seasons and I like what they've done now they add like the the legend spots for the all star game like Dirk and Dwayne Wade got in there last years, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think retiring players like that should be taking spots unless they're having a good season still you know what i'm saying yeah like it never happened for vince carter people forget that vince didn't carter happen for Paul Pierce. yeah so like i do understand that a lot of the all-star game is popularity it's, um obviously coaches have their votes um media have their votes fans have their votes so it does kind of level itself out but in terms of like snubs and stuff nine times out of ten it's because people that are voting don't watch the all these guys so they're just like oh i read that brandon ingram's been amazing and brandon ingram's a really cool name because he was drafted by the lakers he won most improved he plays with zion i'm gonna vote for brandon ingram oh and then you know before you know it all of the wing spots are taken and you're like well Jalen brown's probably had a better season than most of these people but because everyone will vote for tatum before brown you start to get into this a bit of a snub. So I, I do put a lot of stock in all-star um, appearances in terms of when I'm like, it's nice to be like, oh, you've signed a six-time all-star. But there's times where guys have ridiculously good averages and have only been a two-time all-star. So I do understand a lot of it comes down to, um, it's, it's a prom night thing, right? It's who's going to be prom king. It's tough too, because it's, I feel like Boston is, somewhat fortunate that there are a lot of fans like you look at Malcolm Brogdon right it's not like Indiana fans are getting out there to vote <laughs> like Indianapolis fans were just also just not that many market. of them exactly that's the point so you got LA and Boston really dominating so um we'll see how Jalen Brown fares in that category but other than that I, I don't think there's anything else I really wanted to talk about uh no Sam we haven't had anything for the around. last week so I'm pumped. There's supposed to be a game tonight. We'll see, right? I'll be at work, but, you know, I have a nice computer in front of me where I'll be watching it. No, oh, hell yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a good place to wrap up. Uh, Adam, you want to obviously follow everybody or everybody follow Adam at Adam Taylor NBA. Uh, I know Adam, you do a podcast. If you want to plug that now, you know, you, you'll do it better than I will. So I'll do it more justice. So. Uh, yeah. So you can catch my written work and audio work over at Celticsblog.com. You can also catch me at talkbasket.net doing a weekly NBA podcast with Jonathan Macri, who covers the Knicks. And I do some betting work for Unibet. So if you want to try and make yourself some money, feel free to read my columns. If you lose, though, that's on you for listening to me. I do not claim to be an expert. They just let me know. Um, but thank you to Adam for coming on. Uh, you guys can follow me at Jackson NBA, follow Bannertown at Bannertown USA. And then Sam, go ahead and wrap us up. Yeah. Uh, 
once again thanks to adam he's one of our favorites obviously a good friend of ours for coming on the show (laughs) um you can follow him at adam taylor nba follow jack at jack simone nba follow banner town follow me at sam lafrance nba that's our show for today bye